Ready to start your ESG journey? Get going today with Social Suite, and you could start reporting publicly in 30 days. With investor pressure mounting and regulations just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start your ESG reporting. Social Suite takes the complexity out of environmental, social, and governance reporting. Social Suite helps organizations to measure, monitor, and report on their progress with fast, simple, and affordable software. Create value through ESG in order to raise capital, improve brand and reputation, as well as mitigate risk. Social Suite has helped almost 100 micro to small cap companies report on ESG, with some starting their baseline report in under 60 minutes and reporting publicly within 30 days. ESG is a lot easier than you think, and you're probably already doing it. So take your sustainability reporting to the next level with measurable progress. Start your ESG journey today with Social Suite, an ESG software company for micro to small caps. Visit socialsuitehq.com. That's social, S-U-I-T-E-H-Q.com to learn more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Carol Craig, chairwoman and CEO of Cytospace, publicly traded company. The symbol is SIDU on NASDAQ. Cytospace, located in Cape Canaveral, Florida, operates from a 35,000 square foot manufacturing, assembly, integration, and testing facility focused on commercial satellite design, manufacture, launch, and data collection. The company's heritage includes the design and manufacture of many flight and ground component parts and systems for various space-related customers and programs. Cytospace has a broad range of space-as-a-service offerings, including space-rated hardware, manufacturing, design engineering, satellite manufacturing, and platform development, launch and support services, data analytics services, and satellite constellation management. Cytospace has a mission of bringing space down to earth and a vision of enabling spaceflight heritage status for new technologies while delivering data and predictive analytics to domestic and global customers. Okay, yes, there was at least one balloon joke during our conversation, maybe more, but in all seriousness, you know the common phrase, space is the final frontier. Carol and her team at Cytospace are working towards opening that frontier for all, which we discuss in detail in our conversation, plus diving deeper into their business model, the difficulty in launching new satellites, the challenge of educating the population globally about space-based data, and where she envisions Cytospace to be in three to five years and the inflection points that will get them there. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Carol Craig, Chairwoman and CEO of Cytospace. Carol, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I'm doing great. All right. Well, this is a first for for the show. Um, space as a service. I, 
that is com- that that is completely new and out of this world. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but uh, I, I was really interested to to learn more about what this means and basically commercial satellite production in general. Um, you know, I've done some interviews in the past with uh, some uh, uh, meteor mining companies, uh, just to give you a little background on some of my exposure to so, uh, some of the entrepreneurial activities going on with space exploration. So, you know. I say all that to start off, Carol, the, my first question for you is what, what would you say is that one line that best describes Cytospace? So as you mentioned, Cytospace is a space as a service company, and we provide multiple solutions and services across the entire space domain. And that includes mission critical hardware manufacturing for both space and defense, engineering, in-house satellite design, manufacture, in-orbit support, and then space-based data collection. So our model includes multiple lines of business that are complementary to each other and provide a full solution in the space domain. Absolutely. So uh, on the company's uh, investor presentation, I like how you introduce yourself as an astropreneur. So assuming you were the founder of the company, which I believe you are, you know, tell us a little bit about the origin story. What was the original thesis for, for founding and then now getting to where you are today? Sure. Well, and like you mentioned, you know, I, yeah, I'm the the founder of Cytospace and while Cytospace is new to public markets, we aren't new to space and aerospace. And so Cytus has over a decade of experience manufacturing space and defense hardware, as I mentioned. And as CEO, I have over 30 years of experience in aerospace, aviation, traditional space, and commercial space. And so Cytus Space actually began operations in 2012 as a spinoff from my first company, really focused on manufacturing. And, and the, the area that we were most focused on was traditional space, so NASA and defense type of aviation agencies and requirements. And as the entire industry started to shift toward commercial space, even traditional space realized that there might be a better model, we also shifted that direction. And one of the things that we produced was a flight test platform that we launched to the International Space Station. We were able to test a number of different types of technologies and and materials in that external um, environment of space. And then we also took over an on-orbit satellite deployer that was up also on the International Space Station. So again, it moved from this traditional manufacturing as a spinoff to really grow with the space ecosystem and move more into commercial space. So, tell, so, so now we're here, 2023. You know, the the company just raised a, a, another bit of capital that you announced the other. We're recording this on a um, on Tuesday, February seventh, 2023. You know. Catch us up. You know, where does the company stand currently as it exists today? Are we are, are we commercially available? Sales, the, the whole bit. Right. Well, we're we're still moving, executing on original plan. And I'll talk a little bit about what our focus was. So we manufacturing, but it's really the satellite constellation that we're focused on. And our mission, what we say is bringing space down to earth. It's reimagining space access. And so what we're trying to solve is again that lack of access to the space ecosystem at a low cost really that's that's the challenge right it's it's a little more complicated to either test a technology in space or even reap the benefits of space-based data and what we're doing is trying to kind of a, a market correction to make that available to anybody and everybody and so we are moving toward that executing on that and what makes that possible is our lizzie sat satellite and our planned fleet of small satellites and that will provide Earth observation and remote sensing solutions to customers. And we actually call it a 
multi-mission satellite for a multi-mission constellation because it isn't just about one industry or one type of customer. It's a it's a flexible mission type of a satellite. And I can talk a little bit more in a bit about the size and what makes it different. But at the end of the day, it's data that most of our customers are looking for. And I think that really is the future of the space ecosystem is providing that type of, even almost like a software as a service solution to customers, no matter who they are. Very good. All right. So there is like a thousand different rabbit holes I now want to go down based on that last answer. But I'm going to start with this because I want to I, I think it's important to maybe take a step back to give a background here because you mentioned something about how, you know, you're basically uh, space as a service that your mission really is to provide access to the space space ecosystem. So I want to better understand what what do you mean by that? I mean, uh, let, let's just take an example of, mm -hmm. of uh, let's just go to the consumer level. So, or an organization like an environmental organization that's looking to provide a solution to, you know, climate change. And maybe it's in a small area, just like even the Florida Keys, where you've got these nonprofit organizations that are trying to determine whether or not there's damage to coral caused by cruise ships. That's the most basic, you know, kind of a lower level. Well, they don't have access to that type of data either easily or economically that could provide them some sort of solution. And so that's really what we're looking to do is to be able to build a constellation that's focused on, you know, down to the level of the consumer, because that, you know, as you, you follow space and in the past, a lot of the, the satellites have been really large satellites, extremely expensive. They're focused on military and defense. And so if there is a solution that's needed out there, it isn't easy to, to change whatever the, the, the focus is for a particular satellite. And I think that's with the LEO, the lower Earth orbit uh, satellites, that's what we're looking to do is provide solutions to the everyday person, you know, and, and that access and, and make it more commonplace. So... Let's touch on that then, because that's that's really interesting. I mean, you know, when you're how does the company evaluate potential partners to work with? Because I would assume that, you know, hey, there's there's a lot of crazies out there too, right? That would be like, oh, I would love to get a side of space satellite for all my crazy ideas and confirm conspiracy, whatever. Yeah. You know, okay. I, <laughs> sure, I'm going to the extreme, but like let's that's the consumer sometimes, right? So how do you Think about, you know, who that target customer is and is it really more of a partnership versus of like, yeah, no, you, you know, go on our website, buy the, you know, we'll work with you. Yeah, it's a little more structured. Again, you know, having been in business for the last 10 years and a lot of government customers, defense, NASA and everybody, you, you've kind of already got a pipeline of customers that are looking for our previous solutions. But then also as we move towards satellite manufacturing and our own constellation, they're also moving with us and recognizing, OK, this is another offering that an already established you know, supplier can provide to us. So I think that's important. You know, we don't we don't get a whole lot of the crazies yet. And when it comes to the data, <laughs> yeah, no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you don't think so. We want to help I'm everybody. Just, right? I'm, just, I'm just messing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think when it comes to the data, though, that's one area that is not yet fully mature. I think across the entire, well, not even not the space ecosystem, but in, in general, just across globally, right? So I think that's something where part of our challenge, and I say our, and when I say our, I mean the space ecosystem and all of us who are a part of that. Part of that challenge is educating the population, you know, globally on all the opportunities that are available 
from with space data. So, you know, like in the early days of the internet, nobody thought about communications and education and businesses that could be revolutionized, right? And that new businesses would emerge. And I think that's what we're looking at when it comes to space-based data and the industry globally, every other non-traditional industries don't yet understand what the these benefits are that can be derived from this data. So I say all of that, meaning that that is the future and that is is where most of us are moving. And that's that offering that we really believe is just going to you know take off just like the rest of the space ecosystem, you know, at that, you know, point of inception. Absolutely. So, okay. So, let you know, we to give you a little background. One of our other shows uh, that we have on on our within our podcast network, uh, Compounders, we actually did an interview with a Viasat. Um, multi-billion dollar company, you know, they big satellite uh, manufacturer as well. And th- their satellites provide, uh, you know, ca- a number of capabilities, right? So are we really talking about when it comes to side of space satellites that have more or less, I don't want to say limited, but a specific type of capability in order to make it commercially available? Or is it kind of you make, do, I'm sure you do custom as well. So I'd love to learn more. Right, right. It's a, it's, it's more functional. So if you, again, think about the evolution of satellites. Like I said, Viasat. A lot of you know the there's larger satellites, and then, then the pendulum swung to CubeSats. So you have the smaller satellites, which are less expensive, but they also have less functionality because they're smaller. And typically, they're focused on one industry, one type of sensor. They do one thing. Well, that's not the case with our satellite. Our satellite is 100 kilograms, which is about 220 pounds, the size of a coffee table. It has redundant redundant systems, which actually means that it's more reliable. I mean, we're designing with a five-year design life to stay on orbit for a specific amount of time. We may not need it to stay on that long based on technological obsolescence. But what really makes it different is that we are able to integrate multiple sensors into a single satellite. So whether that is a traditional camera or a hyperspectral or a multispectral camera, which gives you a different picture and really more detail into a certain area or image, or an identifier type of sensor. It might be infrared. I mean, there's all kinds of sensors out there. And we're able to integrate multiple sensors into a single satellite. And what that does is it increases the revenue, certainly, out of a single satellite. And it increases the number of customers that can benefit from that satellite, whether it's a customer who's looking to test a technology. And maybe it's a customer who is a, wants to be a part of the space ecosystem. So they've got a camera, maybe it's a software-defined radio that they want to test. They can come to us. We can integrate that into our satellite as one of those technologies or revenue streams and then provide them with data to say, hey, it worked. Another customer may come to us and say, I was thinking about launching my own satellite constellation. And then all of a sudden I realized, wow, this is not that easy, you know, especially with the launch um, kind of the, the launch providers being limited and all the other factors that go into it. And they'll come to us and say, can I integrate my sensor into your satellite and therefore your constellation and then receive that data subscription as a basis, you know, subscription as a service basis over a length of time. And then a third model is actually in part of, of what we do with our space on our satellite is integrate our own selected sensors. And so that's a pure data revenue service that we're providing to customers that don't even, they don't even care how they get that data. They don't care what satellite it's on. They don't care any of that kind of stuff. They just say, hey, I'm trying to track maritime logistics and I'd like the GPS points and maybe an image that goes along with it. Can you provide that to me? And that's pure 
data, like a software as a service. And so it's all those types of offerings. So it doesn't have to be a big satellite to be able to be functional for multiple missions and multiple customers. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate that that overview there. Um, cause I had, I had Viasat in my head. I was like, wow, you know, big satellites. All this. Yeah. But, but, but uh, uh, another question that I have though, too, and I'm sure you get this all the time when you're talking with investors and stuff like that, when, when it comes to regulation, you know, what, what does that even mean? You know, um, in terms of when you have a satellite up there and it's, you know, going in orbit and I apologize, I'm not an uh, astrophysicist by any means. So if I get one of these words wrong, I apologize as also to any astrophysicists listening out there. Um, but you know, what, how, what is, you know, you launch a new satellite or you have a customer that wants to launch a new satellite. Like what are some of the regulatory just issues or, or what, what's involved? Like, sure. I just want to better understand. Understand. So, um, First of all, there's something called Spectrum. Spectrum is a Spectrum license is what allows an operator, a satellite, to transmit and receive from space RF frequencies. Right? And so, there, the FCC is the U.S.-based organization that monitors Spectrum. And then there's something called the ITU, which is the International Telecommunications Union, which is the global side of it that monitors that monitors the transmission and that Spectrum. And it's to avoid, as you can imagine, interfering with things that shouldn't be interfered with. So yeah. first of all, you have to- Last have thing we need is like a World War III because it flew over a North Korea or something. Maybe so, or it interfered with whatever. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yes, I mean, defense has, you know, they've got their their mission and they need to make sure that that's not disturbed. And so uh, so that's, that's one regulation that you have to have if you're going to be transmitting, you know, data up and down and communications. Another would be NOAA. So for any type of imagery that's Earth observation, and as a U.S. company, certainly, you have to have a NOAA license to be able to point a camera toward the earth. And that's another. So these are kind of some standard steps that you go through. Um, there's also now FCC is looking at the orbital debris and how they can, you know, and all of us need to be aware of that. One of the advantages of our larger satellite is that we are able to manipulate our satellite so we can deorbit if we want to. CubeSats are small. You can't you necessarily have propulsion or multiple reaction wheels to deorbit. We have that. But the FCC is looking at that and putting requirements on certain satellites to say you have to be able to deorbit or that life satellite needs to be five years or less. You know, there's things like that that are that are in when you think about regulations. And and so um, those and that's what a satellite operator has to understand. And then once you've got satellites on orbit, you need a mission operations center to be actually to actually monitor the satellites, the health and welfare of the satellites, like I mentioned, to be able to deorbit and then certainly to be able to pull data down. So, you know, it is it is much larger than just launch a satellite and and hope for the best kind of a thing. So then that's what we offer that when I say those services, we offer all of that. And even our mission operations center, we've talked to other satellite operators and said, if you need that extension or some of the startups that are looking to have a satellite constellation, they don't necessarily have to have to stand up a mission operations center because we've already got that in place. So much more economical to share and work together. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the the total addressable market for your target customer. I don't want to hear the, you know, the space, the trillion opportunity, but like for your specific target customer. Well, that's kind of my answer though. It is the trillion, right? Uh, I, and, and the re well, and so I say that because even that number, that total addressable market, you need to kind of say, well, where's that coming from? And what are the economic multipliers? And I go back to the internet example, right? We really don't know. But in our case, we do look at not just 
if you break out the total addressable markets or the industries that are interested in space, we don't look at just one. We don't look at just maritime. We don't look at just Department of Defense. We don't look at just NASA. It's really across the board. So I think it's difficult to say, you know, what it it really is the entire total addressable market. Um, other numbers that people will throw out when they talk about the market, more of the launch providers, they'll say that, you know, there's, you know, in the next 10 years, they're estimating there's going to be 18,000 satellites, you know, in the next, you know, 20, 30 years, 40,000 satellites up there. And again, even that's kind of, I wouldn't say it's questionable, but, you know, ultimately what we're looking at is to minimize the number of satellites. You know, why would there be that many satellites? Because people want data. You know, they either want, you've got telecom and you've got earth observation, space weather, space observation types. And so if they can, they being customers can ultimately get the data they want without having to have the infrastructure, without having to put all those satellites, wouldn't that be the best solution? And so I think that the total addressable market, again, I don't think we even have any idea how, how big it is, but I also think that there's going to be a little bit of a, um, you're going to start to see, you know, the, the edges won't be so um, blurry around kind of number of satellites. I think it'll get to where it's a, a nice infrastructure number that's then going to support, you know, the, the rest of the industry and, and those burgeoning businesses. You know, I should have rephrased it. I should here, I'll rephrase my the the question then this way as well. You know, what 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 industries right now would you say is site of space really digging into right now? So we use an example. Well, I've got a couple. So one, I will say we're focused on what I've described as underrepresented international countries. And those are the countries that have these small space budgets. You know, it's not UK, although we work with, you know, a number of the, those other ones as well. But there's a lot of smaller ones that they want to be a part of space. They understand the benefits from space, but they just don't have the large budgets. And so our manufacturing or engineering or satellites, all of our capabilities can assist those countries and then those industry partners within those countries to be able to participate in the ecosystem and then also benefit. So that's that's one area we're focused on. If you break it down into, I mentioned like maritime, there's weather, there's agriculture. I think agriculture is is one industry that can really benefit from our types of satellites that have the multiple sensors, whether it's the hyperspectral or, or the multispectral cameras and, and, and others, because there are a lot of use cases within agriculture agriculture that can really have benefits all the way to the commodities market. So for example, to be able to determine water content in the soil for the farmers so they know whether they need to what and it could be more than water, fertilize or irrigate or whatever, just to have their saddle their um their crops succeed actually flows into the commodities markets. So now they understand. I mean, we're able to really trend and monitor and provide solutions so that, uh, you know, agriculture is a global type of a, um, I would say problem, but a challenge. If you look at the UN sustainable goals and focused on, you know, food and other things like that. So that's just one example, but there's so many. And all of those customers can benefit from the data that we're capturing, especially when I talk about imagery and those different types of imagery, because we're capturing the entire time that we're circling the globe. So as mm-hmm. you can imagine, we're covering a number of different areas, a number of different customers, you know, and, and capturing this data and able to sell that to multiple industries. For sure. I'm like looking up like you're looking at me right now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but Chinese balloon. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but um 
You know, another question I have for you, and I'm sure you get this asked a lot. How many satellites to date has Side of Space actually launched into space? I appreciate that. We have not launched our 3D 3D hybrid LizzieSat satellite. We have manufactured flight hardware. We manufactured for hardware for the Artemis One rocket that was launched, SLS rocket that had the Orion that went around the moon. So we have experience, extensive experience manufacturing hardware for other satellites, assembly and testing. But this is the first time where we, we're actually manufacturing for our own product. And, and same process applies, just like it did with all of our other products that we've manufactured for others. We follow the same standards but with a little more flexibility and a focus on that commercial solution. For sure. What, what would you say is the company's real differentiator? You know what? I mean, yeah, we you can make the argument like, oh, well, you know, if this becomes a real market, will Viasat, you know, for example, not, you know, not saying anything, but like, will Viasat eventually start going to commercial and helping others to produce uh, satellites and launch them? I know you have many other aspects of the business. I, I don't mean to make it like that, but, you know, what, what, what would you say is the primary differentiator between some of your competition out there that are also trying to accomplish similar goals? Well, it's, I don't even use the word competition. I say competimates because none of us have the same business model. We really are complementary. You know, whether you look at Spire, or you look at Black Sky, you look at some of the others, I mean, we're all doing things somewhat similar, but we've got a, a different take on it. So I, I go back to the differentiator is, I think it's the diversity. First of all, it's the diversity of our company. So we've got kind of that large company model where we're providing a number of different type of solutions across the board, different divisions that can support our customers in a number of ways, not just a single niche or focused company. But then that diversity then translates, you move the diversity toward, as I mentioned, the multi-mission satellite, a flexible mission satellite that isn't just focused on one area. And then we're lean. You know, I've been in business for 25 30 years feels like it's even even more than that and so when you when you run your own company you understand how to be conservative you understand how to have that long-term strategy and in you know we're we were also conservative even when we went public we went public via IPO vice the SPAC because that's a little you know kind of we're doing things very methodically and structured and I think that's a little bit different as well I mean we've been in business for a long time we we understand space and so that's a that's another differentiator. But I, I go back to it's it's competitors. The those that are in the industry right now, I think, will be there and will work together. And there's a lot of there's a lot of change in the industry. I think you've seen some pivots. Whether it's a Terra and Orbital now focused a more on the government side of things or consolidations and things like that. But uh, but ultimately, we all have our strengths, and I think you know that's what makes up the space ecosystem. Absolutely. So uh, another another question I have for you, you know, like like you said, you know, the company's been public uh, what since twenty twenty one, right? You've done some of the the dog and pony show now, right? Done a few of the conferences and all all that good stuff. A lot. You know, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, you know, you've met with investors. What what's been some of the more frequently asked questions that you get, and or what are they still potentially confused about when thinking about side of space? Maybe we can address that today. Sure. So there's a there's a couple of different things. One is that, and this is nothing against them. I mean, this is the space ecosystem is new, 
and it's just growing and all of we've been you know living and breathing it for the last 30 some years but this is new to a lot of people so some of the things that 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 it may be confusing would be understanding the lead times involved in launching a satellite and that there are factors out of our control when it comes to launching in some of that you know if you look at it could be the limited number of launch providers but really it's things like weather you know there's all kinds of other types of of uh um factors that you can only mitigate so much. And so that's another, it's an education thing, helping our investors and helping, you know, the, the industry and, and, you know, the globally understand that it takes time, you know, and that, that really there needs to be some flexibility there. Now it isn't, okay, it should take 20 years. It really is. We may move to a few months to the right, or maybe there's something that you know, you're going to pivot a little bit and make a change because you've got a different type of customer and it makes sense to, to add this into a satellite, things like that. So I think that's just one of the, the difficulties is really um, helping educate this a brand new industry and what's involved there. Um, I think another challenge that we have is being able to share information with our investors. You know, I wish I could share everything. I'm, I'm very much a, a transparent person and I want everyone to know what we're doing, but with a lot of our customers, we're not able to do, we're not able to put out as much press as we, as we would like, even related to customers that we, we locked in on and that we're working with. And so that becomes sometimes the challenge. What we try to do is put out as much information as we can, even about the progress on certain satellites or technologies and, and hope that, you know, that gives the investors confidence that we're executing on our plan. And then probably, like I mentioned before, I think it's, you know, the education you know, that um, understanding what space-based data can truly do for industry on earth, you know, helping the investors see, you know, what, what the possibility is and, and think about the future and investing now in a company like ours, that's a space infrastructure. It's that pick and shovel kind of a model, you know, mm-hmm. where's that going to be and, and understanding that the rest of the world's going to come along pretty quickly and see, and see, and there, there was an article in a Harvard business review. I think it was called your company needs a space strategy. Now we saw that and we're like, this is great because this is when the rest of the world and the other industries realize like, wow, space truly is becoming, you know, an important source of value for businesses across diverse sectors, those non-traditional sectors that never thought that space would be something that could, you know, help them. Without question. And, you know, I, I, something you said there made a lot of sense to me is that, you know, developing the space ecosystem, I think everybody who's listening and watching this would all agree like that, you know, we always say it's the final frontier, but like, it's really, it's really the case. Right. Um, And, and it, it sounds like, more so than anything, the number one, not critique, I guess you'd say, but the concern, I guess, maybe you get from an investor audience is just, okay, I'm, how do I understand timing around this? Like, is this a, a tech thing, tech issue that we're now waiting, that we got to wait for, for this to really take off? Or is this more of just a market education thing? Or is it both? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I, I believe it's a market education. I believe the technology is there. And that's what we're seeing. That's another thing we like about our satellite and the way we've designed it is that it's flexible and it can move with the technology. So we aren't putting up, you know, 
20 satellites that have this one particular technology and having them up there and they have to stay up there and that's it, right? We're able to integrate and we're able to integrate in various points throughout as we're building our satellites so we can move and be more flexible even with the technology. So I don't know that it's technology. I think it really is the market understanding. And it's taken a little bit longer if you look backwards, but I think at this point, there's so much understanding about space. And I think a lot of that has come from the tourism side of it, which is what 1% of the overall, um, you know, space ecosystem and the addressable market. But I think it's, it's really highlighted for everybody that, yeah, this is coming. It's, it's not if, but when, and now it's just a matter of helping them understand how it applies to them. Carol, in your opinion, what, what would you argue is going it will potentially could be that tipping point in market education here? I think it's really, it's really, well, certainly the more satellites that are on orbit, you know, the, the more you'll see that. But I, I think it's, it's a, it's a, what we need to see and what we are doing is a well thought out plan for, and, and, and a strategic plan. So, and what I mean by that is, for example, we've already locked in or contracted with SpaceX for several launches, kind of looking forward. Um, I think what's happened in the past, a lot of companies are building satellites and doing this technology and going, okay, I'm here. Now let me go see where I can get a ride. And what I think what needs to happen is a, a more steady flow launch cadence you know, where, where you can kind of see consistency because that's what's really going to show the value of that space-based data or the value of space is it's not kind of smaller one-offs that are being launched by different types of companies. And so, and that that's just a matter of time. And that's just really kind of, you know, maturity maybe even in the industry, but I think that's what's gonna do it. Um, I also see, it, you know, you have little pop-ups. You just see as the non-traditional industries recognize the value, John Deere recognized the value of uh, of satellite comms, you know, related to their their equipment and tracking and communication and things like that. And, and so they even put out a request for proposals to space companies to come back and provide them with solutions. So when you see something like that, you go, oh yeah, this is the, the tide is turning. And then once it turns, it's gonna, it's gonna go very rapidly. Very good. All right. Another question that I have for you, and I asked this to everybody on here. So, you know, we want to play a de- little devil's advocate uh, on, you know, look, hey, space, space exploration, space, it's all very exciting. But at the end of the day, when we're looking at side of space, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the company's downside risks that folks should be aware of? Sure. So certainly public company, the market right now is a little challenging right now. Uh, you know, and, and you saw we raised capital, you know, the being public, you know, the ability to raise capital is important. And, and it's important for taking advantage of opportunities. And so, you know, and you want to be able, and also to be able for CapEx, if it looks like, you know, there's more opportunity out there, you want to be able to build more satellites, you know, look at acquisitions and things like that. So I think that's, one of the challenges that we have is the market. But what that means is you just have to make sure that you're closely following the trends, you know, whether it's market or it's industry, making sure to be flexible, mitigate risk as you can, but then also take advantage of opportunity and be very tightly controlled when it comes to lead times. You know, this, that you know, we all talk about supply chain challenges, you know, and, and they're there not only for in manufacturing and, you know, satellite components and things, but also in the launch side of things. I think, you know, that that's really where those are. One of the areas we talk about launch, and I mentioned that, you know, we had uh, contracted with SpaceX. 
that's another risk is that there won't be enough launch providers, but we're very much involved with the startup and they're not even startups as much anymore, small rocket launchers and, and looking ahead in the future right now and locking in on contracts with them to make sure that we have that strategy going forward. So, you know, we're, we're mitigating those risks, but those are, those are some of the things that we have to be aware of and, and ensure that, you know, we're ahead of, we're ahead of the game. Very good. Now, an, another question that I have for you, um, you know, going through the the company deck and looking at financials and stuff, you know, what what would you say is the company's path to profitability? Sure, and that's important to investors, and 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 it really does tie to satellites. If, you know, when we've talked about uh, the majority of our revenue to date has been manufacturing, and and not insignificant. And some of the projects that we're on, not only as I mentioned Artemis One, but also the Mobile Launcher Two for the follow-on, and we're, we've got some significant work there, and we're supporting a lot of great programs. But the the higher margin type of of uh, revenue is centered around our satellites and so that's the path to profitability it is the acceleration of production of satellites it's the on orbit and then getting that steady production cadence and so that's what we we look for and and I, as I mentioned we've got varying types of revenue per satellite so you're able to recognize revenue as you're building your satellite for those customers who are looking you know for that that ride to space or that initial data and then the ultimate is the on orbit data space based collection that's then being sold to multiple industries and multiple customers so so that's really the the path and and it's a short term path it isn't and we've been in business for a long time we didn't have to spend years building up the manufacturing or setting up and that kind of thing so our path is maybe shorter than even some of those startups that are you know in the same kind of time frame or went public you know when we did or things like that so i think it's a shorter path but it certainly ties to that acceleration of of uh, production Absolutely. So one other question regarding the the satellite that you're currently trying to get together and then launch this. But, you know, one thing I just thought about, you know, from a business perspective, how do you weigh the decision to launch when you're like, oh, we maybe we could probably add a couple more sensors here with this company or we could probably add a few more sensors, like or do we just need to get this thing up? Like, how, how, how do you think about that? That's a great question. And, and really, our model is our model is that we're not dependent on filling that space with customers, like you mentioned, you know, um, and the, by the nature of what we do, there's a cutoff. There is testing, assembly, testing, integration, all of that that you have to do prior to launching. So you can't keep adding payloads at, at the at the end of the the production cycle. So just by its nature, you've got a you got a cutoff point. But also, our model is that, like I mentioned, we have our own sensors and technologies. That's our pure data play. So having that in there combined with the the other payload providers allows us to you know not have to make that big change and all of a sudden tell somebody that we're not going to launch when, when you know when we had planned on i mean any changes to launch are usually due to the launch providers and again weather or if it's a secondary payload it might be a primary payload on spacex or somebody that might change and slide but that's typically you know a small amount I just have this image in my head of like 10 seconds before you're about to launch and one of your sales people like, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I just, I just got, I, 
I'm just about to sign this deal. Like, do not launch. Yeah. Wait, wait, no, wait. No. Well, <laughs> and and the fact that we have contracted with SpaceX and we know what our launches are and we know what our production cycle is, that allows us if if already it's too late and we've closed off one, we can say, well, here's the next launch. I mean, that's really important. Yeah. A timeline for customers. And that's what we did this past the end of this past year and then just recently was was locking on those launches and now we can really go out to our entire pipeline that we've been building of customers and and finalize and convert those contracts to say hey here's when we're going to launch and here's what we can get you on and now you know for sure you've got a ride to space got it all right my final question for you here today to close us out you know again from what you can tell us where would you like to see the company be in three to five years and what would you say are the inflection points that'll get you there so Certainly three to five years, we want to have our uh, you know, significant satellite fleet on orbit and growing all of our capabilities as well. You know, we envision that the uh, the landscape will continue to change when it comes to technology. So more technology integration, you know, potential acquisitions, you know, the growth is planned. I mean, I think I think that, you know, that that inflection point really is the multiple satellites over the next 24 months. I mean, that's when we see that the company really demonstrates the value of the data. It's not demonstrating that we can do what we say we're going to do. It's really demonstrating to the rest of the world and all these other non-traditional industries that this data, whether it's infrared or it's an image or it's a identifier for maritime, whatever it might be, it can apply to them, to those industries, to those companies and, and really change the way that they do business. Absolutely. Well, with that, Carol, where can our audience go and find more information on Cytus Space? You can go to our website at Cytus Space, all together, two S's in the middle, dot com. Carol, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next update. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Appreciate thank it. You. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.